Welcome to the Physics Buzz Podcast. I'm Mike Lucibella. On last week's podcast, Cal told us about how the Kepler Space Telescope has been finding distant planets by watching the changing brightness of stars. However, there's a lot more that the versatile Kepler can tell us. I got a chance to interview William Chaplin, a researcher at the University of Birmingham, who's been using the data taken from Kepler to learn more about the distant stars themselves using astroseismology. Okay, so astroseismology, music of the stars... Essentially, what we're doing is we're studying the natural, natural resonances of stars. Um, stars make sound naturally. The sound gets trapped in their interiors, and it makes them resonate like huge musical instruments. The outer layers of stars are turbulent, which forms pressure waves, very similar to sound waves, that reverberate throughout the star. This field of study is called astroseismology because on Earth, pressure waves would manifest themselves on the surface as earthquakes and could be detected using seismographs. Of course, there are no seismographs on the surface of stars, so Kepler has to look for changes in the star's brightness. While, of course, we can't listen to the stars directly, um, all that sound that's trapped inside the star, um, the information from that is effectively coded into the brightness changes that we observe. So we measure these brightness variations, um, but those brightness variations are, if you like, the visible manifestation of the sound trapped inside the star. So what we're doing is we're essentially measuring the effects of the sound waves in the changes in brightness that we observe. And that's how we can sample this music of the stars. How do vibrations change a star's brightness? Because stars are big balls of gas, they're not solid, um, the sound that's trapped inside them, the compressions of the sound waves, make the stars gently oscillate. So um, we're actually able to pick up the oscillations because as the star uh, contracts and expands, it heats up and gets brighter and then it cools and diminishes in brightness as it gets bigger. And what Kepler does is it me- measures these minuscule changes in brightness in the, in the stars as they oscillate. So a star like the Sun, a solar-type star, um, the brightness due to the oscillations um, changes by about one part in a million on a timescale of a few minutes. So you have to be, yeah, you've got to have a pretty decent um, instrument you know, um, to be able to do that, and Kepler's wonderful, so... It can pick up these changes um, very, very clearly in the stars we observe. Chaplin said that with the data collected by Kepler, you can actually hear what a faraway star sounds like. Essentially what we've done is to take a um, real data, which basically is measuring the brightness variations due to the oscillations as a function of time. Then what we do is use some software to convert that into what it would sound like if it was a sound wave. Um, when we do that, we, we produce something that we can't hear um, with the human ear because the frequency is too low. So what we do then is we speed it up, shift it into the audible range. The process of doing that uh, means that what in real time is about a month's worth of data ends up getting um, sped up so much that it's compressed into a few seconds. So what does a star sound like? Well, take a listen. Stars don't sound, they're not quite, um, musical instruments are harmonic in the sense that the different tones go in direct proportions in frequency, and that's why they sound so pleasing to the ear, Um, whereas um, stars are not strictly harmonic, so they're slightly out of tune, so not only do we get this sort of beating effect due to the different overtones beating with one another because the tones are not, the star isn't completely in tune, it doesn't sound pleasing to the ear, But, of course, the data are very, very pleasing to us. 
What can this data tell scientists about the stars? It can reveal things like how big the stars are and how old they are. Okay, so first of all, size, which is a bit easier to explain. Uh, if we use the musical instrument analogy again, if we take the example of, say, a tuba and a piccolo trumpet, so a tuba is a much, much bigger instrument and resonates in much deeper tones, a much lower frequency than a piccolo trumpet, which sounds much more high-pitched. And essentially we do the same thing with stars. Stars resonate like musical instruments. The bigger the star, the deeper the tones. And so that enables us to say how big a star is. In terms of determining the age, um, the frequencies, what we do is we measure the frequencies at which the star oscillates. Those frequencies are determined by the sound wave properties inside the star. And those sound wave properties are in turn sensitive to the conditions within the star. So a star like the Sun at the moment is powered by the fusion of hydrogen into helium in its core. And as hydrogen is turned into helium, this changes the sound speed profile in the core, and we can pick that up in the frequencies. So what we're essentially doing is aging a star, a solar-type star, by measuring the amount of hydrogen it has left in its core. By combining the information that Kepler tells us about the makeup of distant stars and the planets that orbit them, we're offered an unprecedented picture of the kinds of solar systems outside of our own. Um, if we want to be able to understand fully the... Um, the histories of some of these planetary systems that are being discovered, that all tracks back to understanding the star. And we can actually say something about the, how these planetary systems have evolved over time by studying the stars. That's all for this week's Physics Buzz podcast. You can find out more about the Kepler Space Telescope and listen to our other podcasts at www.physicscentral.com. Thanks for listening.